Ruby fans, welcome to another episode of Ruby Redux here on Rooster Team Radio. Tonight we are talking about Volume 8, Episode 4, Fault. So, let's not waste any time. Please, everyone, step into our humble abode, take a seat, and now let me introduce uh, my fantastic co-host. Joining me tonight is Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. Someone has to emo themselves to death in the snow, and it's not going to be me. (laughs) <laughs> the lovely Stacy Shuttleworth. Hello, hello. Uh, it's too cold for me, so it's not going to be me either. <laughs> and also joining us, the wonderful Mark B. Donica. See, the great thing about the snow is it keeps the beer cold, <laughs> which I need absolutely plenty of. I mean, hi, good evening. <laughs> Could you toss me one of those? I want oh, one. Yeah, yeah. It's give me, I have to go back into the snow. Give me a second. You want him to yeet it all the way across the country. No, I mean, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes to both those things. I'd love to see that. Yeah, my my landlord's really angry about all of the, like, piles of half-empty beer cans that explode after they go, like, 20 feet. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. I'll keep trying. And I'm Megan Salinas, guys. I am so, 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 so excited to talk about uh, tonight's episode. This this one was a doozy, <laughs> but, uh, but oh, so wonderful. Uh, we were talking before we started recording about how when I was writing notes for this episode, I was like, I think I've got everything. But then the episode kept, kept going and there was just so much packed into this 20, 20 minutes of this show. It, yeah, this was... Th- for me, this was a lot of fun, and I am super ecstatic to talk about this episode. Uh, what did we think of it? Let's uh, let's go ahead and start with Katie. What were your initial impressions? The- Shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> God damn, that was that was so choice. Like comedic timing from a lifetime perspective, like from a life standpoint, but also just like oof, oof, like hard same. Like that's the energy that we're all feeling Honestly. right now. Okay, the reason that that happened is because I have a nice little thing right now that says lost connection to server attempting to reconnect. And that's the point where I'm like, oh, fuck me, we're going to have to do file recovery. I've had to do this with CJ before and it's the worst. So I'm very sorry. Please mark the time for that one. No, it's all staying in. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Look, okay. I like. Well, I, I really want to. I want. I really want to hear what you think. But I want to establish on the top. Yes. That yes. 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 We at, need to. We need to discuss. No, no. 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 At the at the very top, that the the episode that's going to destroy us was the first one that Eddie wrote by himself. <laughs> yes. Everything <sighs> is starting to like just collapse okay. in on itself, and it's like, like the technology was like, are you sure you want to talk about that? just went well actually and i'm like no 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 just because i'm sleep deprived doesn't mean you get to be you son of a bitch 
My Wi-Fi connection. My wife. It's working about as well <laughs> as Jean's. My Wi-Fi. It's working about as well as Jean's phone is out in the mountains. All right, back to the topic at hand. Um, oh, this episode showcased some incredible economy of space, as it were, because again, we've got a twenty-minute episode, but it felt like it was easily half an hour, forty minutes, given how much was put into here with, I want to say four different plot lines and all of them felt like they established something and did something with their time, some more so than others, but nonetheless, and all of them felt meaningful and nothing felt like a throwaway scene. Like this was incredibly tightly written and we got insight into characters and we got a nice womp moment and we got a couple of hell yeah moments. Like, this episode had everything, oh my God, and also 15 fears. <laughs> I continue to have 15 fears, and I would add a 16th for that fault line if Ruby didn't encompass the entire 15th fear and everything in it. So um, this episode was amazing, and also I'm terrified. <laughs> Stacy, how about you? Initial impressions? Boy, Katie summed it up real well there. (laughs) This was so much substance packed into 20 minutes. We got, I mean, bits of everything we could have hoped for and substantial bits from everybody. We got real meaningful character progression, meaningful moments. We got an amazing chase slash fight scene with its own song. Yes! yes all of the story that we got in this episode we got everything we were treated this episode i don't don't, don't like all the treats <laughs> <laughs> there were some tricks in there it some was a very good meal but some of that included vegetables <laughs> and you know what we ate it all up anyways and we will yes. continue to do so <laughs> mark how about you Oh, God, hold on. The tears, they just keep coming. (laughs) Okay. Um, Because of me or because of Oscar torture? Let's go for all of the above. So I got a handoff. I've got a handoff. I've I've got (laughs) to say hats off to the whole team. This, um, and and I said this before when I was talking to a friend about the episode, but um, usually a lot of the stuff that we associate with Ruby is it's, wall-to-wall bombastic action amazing fight scenes amazing act i'll say action scenes amazing action scenes but what i came away with from this episode is these actors holy cow the performances in this episode were phenomenal i told to be completely honest when i went back and watched the episode i forgot about the chase scene i was just like oh man i gotta see uh, Yang and John and Ren in the in the in the cold again. Like that whole sequence had so much depth to it and so much like it was so ooh meaty. Like oh my god, um, it was a, a wonderfully written episode. There was so uh, I feel like I say this every week, but it feels like it it can't be this dark the whole time, right? <laughs> Like, I mean, technically, one of the darkest scenes had a rainbow in it. So yeah. if that was the torture. But if that's the if, light you'll be getting. And that's the only be happy light that we're getting. Um, I Look, will... a 
beautiful rainbow. Ah! He used to hurt the baby. Double rainbows all the way across the, oh God. Across my spine. Um, but uh yes thank you there was there was some levity in this this episode that i'm excited to talk about when we get there but just hats off i think the all of the character moments were the real highlight of this episode despite the rad song the rad chase scene like more yang on a motorcycle um there was there was so much that we've been waiting for and there's still so much to happen we're four episodes in it's like instead of the 12 days of christmas it's like the 12 the 12 rubies of pain like just (laughs) (laughs) one tortured oscar um yeah tis tis the season for pain it is it is this is (laughs) this is the last thing i'll say this is the right year for this season because you're not criminy, wrong. Criminy. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all I got. Let me finish this beer, <laughs> and then open another one. I might. They're not too far away. <laughs> I'm almost done with my tea. I'm just. I'm trying to work out the logistics of like hopping over and grabbing my whiskey. Okay. <laughs> While you commentate, I will get drinks. <laughs> I am not kidding. No, it's okay. I am not kidding. <laughs> Never drink in the podcast fridge. unless I'm doing other podcasts. I do it all the time. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, speaking of podcasts, we wanted to apologize, everybody, um, before we really dive into the show. Um, we wanted to apologize. We know this one's a day late. You know, we're moving into the holiday season, and I think it it's kind of safe to say that all of our schedules are going to be changing up a little bit. So there might be some days where um, we have to be a little bit more flexible with our schedules. And uh, we just wanted to say that we really appreciate you guys being so accommodating and for sticking with us. Uh, You guys are super cool and also the best. (laughs) (laughs) And for those of you wondering about the house renovations, the, uh, the love loft has a lovely new carpet because carpet is a great thing to lie on when you are just despairing for the future of your ship. Uh, the straight staircase has been reworked into a spiral staircase because you can never have too many spiral staircases. Uh, the prediction patio is both patio and precipice. You know how those infinity pools just kind of stop and you're looking into the edge of nowhere? That That's the same thing our patio does. So we're multitasking there. And we're still trying to find, we're still building out an area just to go and scream. We're still working on that one. Update your maps accordingly. And going back to what Megan said, uh, coming up with the holiday season, uh, there might be some episodes of both this and uh, RVB Recall where not everybody is going to be a part of the show. Um, The holidays are way different this time. And some, you know, sometimes things come up and, and so just make sure stay tuned every show. uh, We're, tired 2020 has been a year and sometimes we may just need a little bit of extra time for ourselves and we appreciate you appreciating that about us as well the the support that we got for when we made the announcement for the delay of this episode was very nice very kind we really appreciate everybody who reached out and uh yeah so at least coming into the end of 2020 uh we we know that there there might be a break for christmas there usually is um but 
in terms of all of us here, we may we may need some time sometimes, and we appreciate we appreciate you. Yeah, we can't thank you guys enough. So, thanks again for sticking with us. Uh, let's. Uh, I, I think that does it for like announcements and uh, that's enough preamble. Let's go ahead and dig into this episode. Guys, I think it's about time we check in on our jailbirds. Uh, this episode uh, that opened with Robin Crow and Jacques in jail. And this is, this is, this for me was a really nice character beat and one that I've been waiting for, for a little while. And it's Crow, you know, not necessarily in that sort of revenge mode that we saw him in, you know, the last time we checked in on our jailbirds, but like really reflecting on what happened and like trying to process it and, you know, realizing that, you know, that I don't want to necessarily say he's taking the his share of the responsibility here like but he is processing and he's finally starting to grieve a little bit and through this he and robin seem to be forming this connection a little bit and it's it was just really nice to see this character like being able to process these emotions and having somebody there who kind of understands uh what did we think of these two getting this kind of bonding moment and unfortunately like Jacques just kind of there like a weird third wheel uh what did we think of this moment let's go ahead and start with Stacy maybe Jacques will like pick up some of the emotion through osmosis and become a little <laughs> a little more empathetic who knows <laughs> I do think it was really nice to see Crow starting to process a little bit more. Um, he's definitely not fully there yet. We're still relying very heavily on blaming his semblance. But I think the opening is there now for him to actually appropriately process what happened and what part he played in these events. Mm -hmm. So... Seeing him kind of start to work through that is is interesting. And having Robin there as a very no-nonsense, well, I'll tell you what it looks like from someone on the outside. Though she wasn't totally on the outside. She was a little bit involved too. And she just, <laughs> she's, she's not having any problems with, uh, with guilt there. <laughs> uh, but she understands what it's like struggling to connect with people. And I, I really liked that moment. Uh, Mark, oh, oh, sorry, oh. Stacy. You yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I think, and, and I do think seeing Robin kind of reflect back on that, especially the with the coalition that we've seen that she has built and how she has moved beyond kind of the immediate distrust that her semblance can bring about with people. She's clearly made it work and found her place and found you know her happy huntresses are there and supportive of her and very you know in awe of her so hopefully crow will be able to work his way there here's hoping mark how about you well first of all i want to make sure that everybody acknowledges that jailbird joke because <laughs> it was pretty choice Uh, and the, and the, I was going to say, uh, it sounds like it might have flown over your head. Oh, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is what 2020 has done to me. 
and a partridge. Hard not to henpeck that one. In a pear tree. Um, the one about the birds. Um, <laughs> j- jingle yes. birds. Jingle birds. Um, don't birds really quickly. Don't don't and a hound with an Oscar in tow. Don't grab oh, no. birds and shake them like jingle bells. I wouldn't recommend it. They'll poop um, on your wrists. Don't ask how I know. But in terms no, of the scene, how, how not okay? but in terms of the scene, it, like Wait, hey hey everybody, hey everybody, okay? we're here Wait. to talk. We're here to talk about Ruby. We okay? here at Rooster Team Radio do not condone animal cruelty, Mark. <laughs> we need to know the story. That's also that's also what I'm saying is don't do that. <laughs> but going back to the scene and the question you asked, um, I I liked where the scene was going. I think that it was cut off at the right moment by the right people, and that's the, and without going too far into what the next scene was, <laughs> that's kind of where I'm going to leave myself. <laughs> Katie, how about you? I'm still trying to process the thing, but don't shake birds. Honestly, I'm. <laughs> I'm going to go with what Mark said earlier before that weird bird maraca uh, (laughs) sidebar. Um, (laughs) In terms of the voice acting, Jason sounded like he was half dead and it was the perfect delivery for Crow. That was so well done. Like all of the acting here, I just sat here and went, oh yeah, the first time watching it through was like, oh yeah, I absolutely believe this. this is fantastic. Second time watching it through was... The acting is so good. It is difficult to get in those places emotionally sometimes. And the fact that they can do this and deliver and the fact that he can emote in that really gruff voice, which is not always easy when that's not necessarily your natural voice is um, it's absolutely fucking amazing. I love the way this was written. I love the execution on what few jokes we had. They were perfect. Like this, this was all great. And I would also like to point out that it holds true in multiple dimensions that flies like to roost on uh, rich white men with no morals. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. Oh, we can't. You know, we've been inside too long when a fly lands on somebody on the news and it's literally the only thing we can talk about for a week. It kept happening, though. <laughs> and and the thing that people were pointing out about that story, too, they also are attracted to things that are about to die. <laughs> death flag, death flag. Something, something political careers. <laughs> anyway uh, so mark as you touched on uh this this really nice moment where these two people who have had trouble connecting with other people could in fact be forming a a, a potential friendly bond with one another gets interrupted a flock if you will <sighs> i'm sorry Birds everybody yeah uh, something something yes 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 exactly <laughs> Okay. Uh, I can't complain about it if I started it. No, you can't. <laughs> you have opened the door. We didn't even need maiden powers for this one. I used to watch Wings on USA. <laughs> Boom, baby. We've all seen a bird at the airport. <laughs> no. Anyway, um, but yeah, this moment gets interrupted. Uh, by the Aesop's uh, bringing Watts back to his cell. 
And uh, what proceeds is a little bit of a confrontation. Harriet really takes issue with Crow still holding on to Clover's badge. And Robin makes the very interesting point of like, hey, if you really want to know what happened, all you have to do is take my hand and we can we can shake out the, the truth of like this story. It's not that hard, like, but you don't care about the truth, do you? And so this this mo- this is another moment of the Aesops, particularly Harriet and Marrow, having to reflect on what side they're on and ultimately what that means for them moving forward. Uh, Mark, did you want to elaborate on what, what you, you had to say for this scene? This is where I thought the actual, the, the real meat was because yes, we're seeing Crow start to emerge, but similarly with some of the other conversations that have been taking place both in uh, in the cell and well, I guess the, the cell is the only place that they are, but in, in the sense of um, the response to Clover dying, um, getting being murdered, let's be honest. But um, this uh, interaction with Harriet was another thing that I think went to knock Crow back down. So like, yeah, he started to come out. Yeah, we're talking about it. Ha ha ha. And then the realization sets in. And I know he he says, I didn't kill him. But that brings him right back to that moment again. And he keeps reliving that moment again. So the more, the more new people come in and remind Crow, hey, you did this. And he's like, hey, I didn't do this. And Robin's like, hey, I, he didn't do this. Um, the more... Crow is he's still going to feel guilty about it and he's still going to be in the darkest darkest depths of sorrow and pain and uh it's interesting like I thought that we would see Harriet like start to turn a little bit and I think we I think we still are um but I wonder how sincere Marrow's reaction was how much of a how much of a goodest boy is Marrow gonna be (laughs) And how much of our predictions from last season are still going to come true? Anyway, uh, just just heavy <laughs> stuff, man. Agreed. Uh, Katie, what do you think of the Aesops coming in? I appreciated that they did this. And again, like Mark said, it's a really good flip side to the scene we had before it. And of course, I always appreciate Watts getting manhandled like the jackass he is. Um, yeah, I thought this was very well executed. I agree that... I, I find it interesting that these are the two that we saw when Elm and Vine do not come in. And I think that just from from the side of the fourth wall, I think that we are not likely to get Elm and Vine turning anytime soon. I think in terms of character arcs, they're a little too static. And I think they're a little too loyal. And that's just that's just what we've established for them. So I will be intrigued to see what happens with Harriet and with Marrow to see what brings them around, if anything brings them around. And I will be interested to see who takes Robin up on her offer for the three of them to have a little kumbaya circle and for Crow to tell the story of what happened. Because... I don't think it's a matter of if. I think that's a matter of when. I think that's a good assessment. Stacy, how about you? 
it is really interesting to see Harriet and Marrow kind of being the two we're interacting with the most and seeing kind of their two different sides. I honestly, I'm not sure if Harriet's going to double down or if she's going to kind of start listening to Robin and, and maybe seeking out the truth. Because I think Robin was kind of dead on uh, that she isn't really looking for it right now. She's looking for a reason to be angry and a person to be angry at. And that person is Crow. And I think that... I don't know. I think that she could very easily double down and we won't see her flipping sides. Mero, however, is like one foot out the door. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it, you know, in this episode, she's she's angry and throwing all of her anger and venom at Crow. And in the previous episode, it was Penny's fault and the kids' fault. It's, it seems to be everybody's fault except Clover's. Um, you know, granted, they weren't there. They don't know what happened. But yeah, she's just kind of looking to direct her anger at anybody who's not immediately standing by her side right now. Like, there's, like, no time for nuance or for debate. Uh, people are are dead and dying, and she, instead of, you know, directing all of that anger and frustration at the enemy tearing everybody apart, it's like, oh, well, this is the person that's right in front of me that I can blame. And not that that's... Not that that's necessarily something i want to sit here and like demonize her for it's a very human reaction to be angry when a friend dies and so and when lots of terrible stuff is happening but at the same time she's also standing by her superior officer who murdered an innocent man in front of her like what 20 minutes ago an hour who knows not long no (laughs) but yeah, it's it's interesting though because out, yeah, out of everybody, Marrow and Robin are the ones we're spending or sorry, Marrow and Harriet are the ones <laughs> we're spending the most time with. And I I agree, Stacy. I think that at some point there's going to be some sort of development and it's either going to be a turn or it's going to be digging in our heels. And I I just, you know, I think about you know the 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 fable, the Aesop fables that these characters are based on. And things don't end well for either the rabbit or the dog in those stories. So I, I like the Aesops. I really hope they can redeem themselves. But at the same time, I'm like, things just keep getting darker and more grim. But I mean, look at the flip side. Things ended well for the lucky fisherman in his story. And then we got here and went... So <laughs> about that, <laughs> that we we keep in mind that the tortoise and the hare is it's slow and steady wins the race on the tortoise's end, but it's also about impatience and arrogance on the hare's end, and then the dog and his bone is all about envy. So things to keep in mind, I think. I do not remember what the oak and the elm is about. That's not a that's not a widely known one. I don't think. Huh. But I mean, yeah, it, at this point, it we know it's going to come to a head uh, at some point soon. And it's just, you know, what decisions are they going to make when the time comes? So we'll just have to wait and see. Do we have any other thoughts on our uh, jailbird scene before we move on with the rest of the episode? 
I just really appreciate how uh, Robin's plan for escape definitely comes down to goading someone into opening up her cell to fight her. (laughs) Her entire plan hinges on making someone upset enough that they will literally come and try to fight her. And I, I like getting out of here. I see the like hearing it put like that. I see her like she goes, grabs Theron's arm, and says like, "Crowden, kill Clover!" Like really quickly, just to like. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> ask me. Ask me. Ask me. She says that that the colors prove that she's telling the truth, and then she punches Harriet out and runs. <laughs> like without a doubt, she, she's not showing her the truth. Like they're they're not there to shake hands. They're completely right about that. <laughs> oh man uh okay (laughs) i think on that note uh let's go ahead and uh switch gears a little bit i'm gonna go ahead and jump ahead because a lot of the meat of this episode is um is with ren and yang and john and uh with what's going on over at the whale so i'm gonna switch gears real quick uh and i want to talk about team ruby for a hot second um, you know, Weiss and company have decided to head on back to the Schnee Manor to lay low and sort of um, wait for the <laughs> wait for the fuzz to, to wait for everything to, to die down so that they can avoid the fuzz. Um, and we have an interaction with Whitley and we learn from him that Mama Schnee has locked herself away in her room and that he's basically just in the mansion on his own waiting for Jacques to come back. Um, which is interesting because I think uh, Jacques thought that Whitley had uh, like already called their attorney or something. So as we can see, Whitley's not throwing a rave or either that or he was throwing a rave and was just like really quick about cleaning everything up and hiding all the evidence before his sister came Dude, home. that property is huge. It could have been in the West Wing or some stuff. And like, we have no idea. This That's what, what would have happened if Ruby Chibi continued. I don't think Whitley knows how to rave. I just, I'm not entirely sure he knows how to have fun. I think I need drugs. (laughs) What? As as Megan likes to jokingly say, one drugs, please. (laughs) Okay, but that would literally be Whitley. One drugs, please, yeah. At a store. Yeah. Yeah, one drugs, please. I have gone to the pharmacy to obtain drugs. Usually I have people to do this for me. <laughs> but they're all gone, and so I must do it myself. I came back with something called Tums. Sounds pretty heavy. <laughs> oh, no. Do I snort these? Oh. oh, he would. Oh, my God. He this totally is a, would. This is a really random side story, and I'll be, I'll be quick about it. God. But there was an idiot in my high school science class me and a group of people we were watching him just do something in the in the back of the classroom he had like the like uh certs or like whatever like the big like uh uh, like icebreakers like the big thick mints that everybody used to have like almost altoidy and (laughs) and he crushed them up into a powder this is during class this isn't even like like our our teachers like at the front of the class like She's she's teaching us whatever. I don't I have the only member one of the few memories. This was the lesson, Mark. This, this was the lesson. Yeah, this ultimately. One of the few things that I remember from high school was this idiot crunching up a whole bunch of like icebreaker certs and then just going and I I wish I was kidding. I totally wish I was. 
but he snorted a line of of goddamn icebreaker like chunks like not even like powder like a really crude cr- and it, it like here here like, let me try to get some some silence and i'll i will recreate what it sounded like in in the room okay oh and then he, his head hit the hit the goddamn table, and every, and like the me and the other two people that were watching were just like, "What made you think that was a good idea?" And the teacher was like, "What happened?" Is like, "Oh, he hit his head on his desk," and I I will never forget that. Uh that's that's that's. Uh, but but thankfully, thankfully, like he you know he didn't get caught. He turned out okay. But there was this thing where anytime Are you he, sure he turned. Okay. Well, well, so so here's here's what I heard about him is that um like since that day, anytime he got a little bit too overheated, he turned into a car. <laughs> Motherfucker. Got it. All right, taking my drink because no, I... no, 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 you don't get to turn this one around. Was any of this aside from turning into a car real? Oh, one hundred percent. Everything but Turbo Teen okay, was real. Good. Everything good. but Turbo Teen was real. Turbo Teen is real was... in my heart. I was gonna say, if this was a bit, I need to know because some weird shit has gone down in all of our various science classes. I'm sure there was a time when we nearly set a Halloween decoration on fire. So I needed to know if dude sniffing mints turned was him out into a there- car. <laughs> turned him into a car. Yeah, no, I needed yeah. to know if the entire thing was bit or if it was just the last five percent. It's up no. there with fucking smoking oregano, thinking it's weed. Oh my god! We Clo- here at Rooster Team Radio do not condone drug use. Bro, bro you got clothes? Those smell amazing. Or smoking oregano, or turning into cars. <laughs> so. Unless you're, unless you're a card carrying transformer. Yes, Mark might condone turning into cars. The rest of us have no parking out here in Los I'm Angeles. I'm thumbsing up a camera that doesn't that isn't on right now. <laughs> I fully endorsed. I fully endorsed. <laughs> Cars that turn into autonomous robots, but not people turning into cars. Mm. You know, Very I'll take it. I'll take that line. Yeah. Wait, yeah. wait. What about cars that are haunted? Because I am pro Christine. Mm. Oh, we do like those. Yeah. That's a like murder that. car. This is a Christine household. In Makes this household, fun. we respect our murder cars. <laughs> <laughs> See, okay. If I'm going to go with a murder car that's possessed, I'm going to go with the, I want to say it's 1970s movie, The Car. In which a car is literally possessed by Satan and drives around a small, I'd say in Montana or Wyoming town, murdering the locals. And honestly, the the best part of this movie, aside from the part where they hide in a cemetery and the car sits outside angrily revving its engine because it can't go on hallowed ground. (laughs) Aside from that, the best part of this movie is that half of the characters are Native American because this is a small town near a reservation, and they are the smartest fucking characters in this movie. They're treated like people because they're people, and it is some of the best people of color representation I've seen in a horror movie because they're treated like people, and they're smarter than all these idiot white people who are getting murdered by Satan's Camaro that are around them. Like, the car is an amazing, amazing movie. <laughs> Please watch it. That is my haunted car movie of choice. Well, I was I was gonna like I'm I'm all for representation, but I am all for crushing the car patriarchy, so I'm pro Christine. <laughs> the car has no gender. It is simply the car. But I thought you said it's Satan. Satan has no gender. 
Satan is simply the car. <laughs> if Satan is simply the car. <laughs> the trailer for it is like super 70s movie, like jump scares, clashing music. It's hilarious. Please watch the car, I beg of you. And if you have if you have watched the car, please let me know you've watched the car so we can joyously talk about how fucking good Satan's Camaro and I know it's not a Camaro, I don't care is. So I guess what I'm saying is Whitley would totally crush up uh, icebreakers <laughs> and snort them. Yes. I was going to say, so we have an episode of Ruby to talk about <laughs> oh, on yeah. this Ruby book. You gave me an opening to talk about the car and I took it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> to get back to Schnee Manor, uh, Weiss, uh, like, Whitley seemingly acquiesces to the girl's request to stay there and lie low, and he inquires about what he can do, and Weiss sends him to his room. Now, how exactly, like, we know, we knew that um, Whitley and Mrs. Schnee were going to be a factor in this story somehow, since they're both in the opening, but how exactly is the relationship between, um, you know, mother and her children going to develop right now? Because Winter is still in league with Ironwood for the time being. And Weiss is officially a criminal who got her father arrested. How do we think this how do we think the relationship for the Schnee family is going to develop? Uh, let's go ahead and start with Katie. I think we are going to see the downfall of the Schnee family. It is a complete crapshoot as to whether Whitley snitches on them to the cops. I'm assuming that he is going to, honestly. But it is a complete crapshoot whether he does that or not. I am honestly disappointed to hear that Mama Schnee has locked herself in her room. Like, just from what we saw last season, I was kind of hoping that she would be able to turn things around. But she's also had this one particular coping mechanism for years. And it is extremely difficult to break out of any habit in a single night. Like cold turkey is an incredibly difficult way to quit something. And we saw Crow leave his alcoholism behind over the span of several seasons and with a supportive environment and supportive people around him and other goals to work towards. Like it's not an easy thing to do. And the Schnee household is not a supportive household and the sun is slightly warm like this i'm disappointed that this is how this turned out for mama Schnee so far but i can't say i'm surprised and i can't say it's not fitting of the character so yeah i think just given what we've seen in the opening given what we have now and given what we know of these characters like I'm thinking this is kind of the end of the Schnee family in terms of the Dust Empire, in terms of the political influence, in terms of all of that. <laughs> Doom and also gloom. <laughs> Stacy, what do you think? Katie's definitely not wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I like hearing that. I 
don't think we are going to see Mamashni driving any action or driving any huge forward progression at this time. Um, I, I think she is still very much stuck in this as her world and that's something for her to fight through and the big changes are really going to come from the kids and maybe Whitley dare I say I'm cautiously optimistic uh I imagine that Weiss telling her little brother to go to his room and to essentially stop being a little brat was very satisfying for her but I don't know if it was the right way to treat him. I feel like after that little bit we got from Mama Schneed kind of talking about or reminding Weiss and us that Willie was trapped in this household almost just as much as his sisters and is to an extent a product of his father and that environment. So to kind of see Whitley looking more adrift when they enter the manor, you know, he, I don't think he ran out and is trying to get daddy out of jail. I think he's kind of yeah. happy to let him sit there. And I think that kind of gives an opportunity for communication between these siblings and forward movement and maybe giving Whitley the right kind of example to strive to follow. I like that idea. Mark, what do you think? 100% agree. Um, I think that um, it's just going to continue the cycle. It's just going to perpetuate the mindset that has been in and around that household that we've been familiar with, that we've heard about since day one. And I hope that, you know, we, th we thought that the conversation between um, mama and daughter last season would be like a good turning point, but then in comes... Weiss and now I, I bet Whitley feels like oh now I've got two moms in the house that are going to tell me what to do and not to not to say that Whitley hasn't been a little monster which he has but as you say I imagine the the photo of Ruby holding the food that they found in the the store like in the air in the 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 storage of the the farmhouse uh but instead of Ruby it's Jacques and instead of the food it's Whitley like <laughs> look at this thing i made or like i made this um and and it's had such a negative effect on him that it just keeps perpetuating i think i think whitley's gonna make one more in the eyes of our heroes he's gonna make one more mistake before he realizes before everybody realizes how much um how much that just is going to keep perpetuating the cycle i hope you know, we hope that everybody, well, not everybody, we hope that uh, some characters get redemption. And in the sake of Whitley, um, it's, he's so young and, and to be indoctrinated to, um, to be, and primed to be another Jacques, I hope that, I think we all hope that he doesn't go down that because Jacques is just such an ass. But um, <laughs> something that I I noted and noticed and I keep noticing I should say is watching the intro just how sad Willow looks when when the camera comes to her and mm -hmm. that you know so say we all but also I like she's she's gonna see her family just burst or even crumble not even burst crumble 
and 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 tear itself apart and uh hey everybody call your moms <laughs> that's <laughs> that's how i will end my comments Mark, I I 100% concur with that assessment. I like I, before you said it. I was actually going to say, yeah, I think he's going to betray them or turn on them again one more time before realizing um, that he's made a mistake, and you know, um, you know, bes- before seeing that like the way they treat each other and the the way you know Weiss's relationship with her friends have changed her into a better person. And that she in turn is treating him with kindness. Like I, I could definitely see him making that mistake and then regretting it, realizing it and wanting to make it up to her. I actually like my, my initial thought for this season was also very similar. I do think that the, the Schnee empire is going to crumble, but um, you know, and it, it, again, my, it breaks my heart every time we watch the opening and we, we do see Willow, um, looking super sad i i'm gonna i'm just out of out of sheer necessity i am going to actually be a little bit optimistic and say that it's going to be weiss and whitley and willow coming together and actively choosing to tear down what jacques has created so that they can make something new in its place arson i like it We've been They'll made never, of ice for too long, right? They'll never suspect the family made of ice. <laughs> <laughs> what can thaw a frozen heart? I'm not sure, but I think we can find enough gasoline to find out. <laughs> Fire's a good start. <laughs> but I, at least that's what I hope. Um, but anyway, like that, it's a pretty short scene. You know, it's just kind of checking in with Ruby and the gang. And now, you know, we're we're happy that Nora has a place to rest. Uh, do we have any other thoughts on uh, Team Ruby or the Schnee situation before we move on with the rest of the episode? Go to your room gave me life. <laughs> I know it undermines everything we've said about Whit- uh, Whitney. Whitley. <laughs> <laughs> about, uh, I almost said it again. Holy cow. About Whitley being a product of his environment and being just as much of a victim as his sisters are, which Willow made that very clear last season. Like, I understand all of that. It all makes perfect sense. I still ab- I still just cheered at go to your room. Just like, yeah, yeah, I'm a middle sister. I get this. I I like the idea of Whit- like her telling him to go to his room and him being like, well, let's see how you like it, sister. And uh, like creating a rope out of bed sheets and sneaking out that way and getting to the edge of the property line and then going, I really don't have a plan now. <laughs> <laughs> Much like every young kid trying to run away. Uh. Klein shows up at the edge of the property. So. Aww. <laughs> so you want to run away. Where are we going, young master? A tutorial by Klein. <laughs> and then it's just Whitley and Klein's adventure. That's the spinoff. That's the new Look side series it. we're getting instead of Ruby Chibi. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. And it's a fun road trip romp and good times ahead by all. As the apocalypse occurs behind them. Speaking of having fun on the road, uh, we're in the middle of a chase scene, everybody. <laughs> yes, please use that transition. <laughs> okay, we're having fun. They're on the road. From the from the impression of 
Krampus, yes. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. Krampus is just like, this is the best part of fetch is going back. I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. Oh, they're still chasing me. Scream. I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. <laughs> there are no bad dogs, only bad owners. Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, but yeah, we have this fantastic chase scene where Yang, Jean, and Ren are after the hound who is flying uh, to to bring Oscar back to the ship. And what we get is a fantastic action sequence filled with a bunch of different grim and and another fantastic song by Casey Williams. And yeah, it's just so fun. What did we think of this action sequence? Uh, let's go ahead and start with Stacy. Yeah, I think that what made this scene almost even more enjoyable was the setup for this scene because we literally end the last scene with our jailbirds with Robin kind of looking like that was almost exciting. <laughs> and then immediately we get this crazy chase scene. <laughs> <laughs> that was such Mash a fabulous fabulous transition uh, to really showcase kind of a different grouping working together watching Yang and Jean work together and uh, you know struggle with bikes as Jean does uh, made for a really dynamic fight style ride style just chase <laughs> And we got to see how effortly, how effortly high, how effortlessly <laughs> Ren and Jean still work together. Uh, you know, really wish one of us could fly. Well, we could, we could make someone fly. Okay. <laughs> it's not flight so much as it is yeet, but yeet is good enough sometimes. It's hey. not flying, it's yeeting with style. <laughs> And this, children, is why we practice our landing strategies. Yay. Yay. Essential. <laughs> I just hear, like, like Oscar's passed out, but Ospin is, like, shouting in his brain, like, what about landing strategies now, you dumb kids? <laughs> That's Shannon what have... makes Ospin, like, reveal himself again. Yeah. Does, does Shannon have cameo? Because I have an idea. <laughs> oh. He might. Cool. He might. So uh, that's a, a quick reminder. Everybody buy shirts so we can get that cameo. Anyway, I'm sorry <laughs> for interrupting. I bought a shirt. <laughs> hey. Thank you. Uh, well, that's okay, Mark. I was about to toss to you. Well, I, I did wanted to make sure not to step on, on Stacy if she wasn't done. Carry on, carry on. My, you would. Nope, not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> oh, no, yeah, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nope. I'm sorry. Backing up. Oh, backing up. Why? And... Does oh, this song, man, Carry wow. On My Wayward Son by Kansas, have any associations to anything? I'm close. <laughs> just, like, just, you know what? Just cut this whole part out. Let's tetanus. not, let's not to, even. I'm just trying to. wigs and tetanus. Let's continue. Trigger warning. Um. So. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um. I like. Similarly, in a way, like even though Jean was has been inexperienced with the motorcycle, he showed the most uh, intuitiveness in trying to complete the goal. Where it's it felt like, okay, oh crap! All right, here we go. Brain blast time. Yang has been way too deep in her comfort zone. 
and like cool i get a motorcycle it's just like it used to be i'm gonna i'm like taking charge just like it used to be like her time alone and reflecting and training with her dad and then the subsequent chase to find the team created a different or, or like evolved her and evolved her character in a way that she couldn't if she was still with the team and so she learned so much and advanced so much at that time that now that she's back with the team and she can't just go off and do what she wants because it's it's sort of like a team decision any sort of comfort that she can find she will latch on to and i think the it, it's uh man getting that from a motorcycle chase you guys are y'all are Kruby, you're scary um <laughs> but i you know i like the action i like the song i liked everything i liked the the as opposed to droopy dog i like drippy dog but um <laughs> drippy krampus but um i'm um I, 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 my favorite part was Jean's intu- uh, uh, intuitiveness with creating like different ways of getting stuff done. Like he was the linchpin in that team where it seemed like Yang and Ren were not necessarily going into, maybe from a strategic standpoint, we're going in two different directions and Jean was the glue. And that continued further in the episode, but I like how it showed how on top of stuff he still is given everything they've been through. I agree. Yeah. Ren, both Ren and Yang wouldn't have been able to play their parts without Jean here. Yeah. The whole thing would have completely fallen apart. So I agree wholeheartedly. Katie, what did you think? I mean, John's kind of been in that role since season four. We kind of saw him really get into that there. So I appreciate that we are continuing to build on that because let's be real every team needs someone in that role who can bring everyone else together. Like your disparate parts don't become a whole without some way to uh, bind them. So yeah, I love that John is able to do that. This scene is amazing. I'm actually quite sad that it seems like we're going to lose that Orisa shield in this chase because it was well used as a ramp, but also I'm going to miss it. It was beautiful. Maybe we'll pick it up on the way back if we survive that long? Question mark. Um, The Hound, Krampus, being able to summon other Grimm just by putting those vocal cords to good use is kind of terrifying. And I think all of this was incredibly... Like, we talked a little bit at the beginning of the episode about economy of space. Incredibly well scripted, incredibly precise, incredibly well put together. Like, this whole scene was absolutely fantastic to watch i really enjoyed this and also shannon mccormick is on cameo i just checked (laughs) (laughs) fabulous just gonna button my analysis with that plug (laughs) um yeah i i really enjoyed this sequence um i just shout out to Kruby as well for just the the sheer number of assets like i i know i know we bring this up like at least once a season <laughs> um because every season like steps up the you know raises the bar and steps up its game in terms of like background design and different grim stuff it like it's always just super super impressive and so seeing the number of like 
grim in play during the sequence was something really, really impressive to me. So again, shout out to Kruby for for working so hard and making awesome sequences like this happen. It just, it warms my heart. So just good job all around everybody. And yeah, I, I concur with everybody what with what everybody else said this was just fantastic um but and and like i kind of want to give it like who who do you think is the mvp of this sequence um i like in some ways i really do want to give it to jean but i kind of feel like ren deserves it for that last minute buzzer beater save at the end like uh his friends go off a cliff he catches them uh, manages to catch himself on the cliff and then also at the very last second conceals himself from a grim. So Jean was a fantastic asset in this, but like, I think I have to give Ren the MVP award. Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the other team, but uh, guys. <laughs> yeah, he did a lot this scene. He really did a lot to make this scene work in that he was the impetus for literally all of the action. So if we're going for MVP for this scene, I gotta give it to Krampus. Also, did anyone notice that he has one docked ear? Because that's the kind of detail work that I love in a design. <laughs> Stacy, MVP? I do think I would also give it to Ren. Uh, I think he displayed so much quick thinking throughout this scene uh, while having, you know, rocks and walls constantly thrown at him. And also the display of skill in the sequence where he, you know, dislodges from Krampus, catches Jean and Yang and immediately conceals them. That is some skill that that boy displayed. Yeah, pretty, pretty solid, pretty solid. Mark, what do you think? Uh, Jean, Yang, or Ren? So, well, first of all, Oscar, because he was resting, that's like the best strategy. That's like <laughs> it's a neutral. so important. It's, it's a neutral so gin important. sort of a thing. So, and I learned, <laughs> yeah. But um, I, Ren is a good choice. However, if it was his idea to go flying, it was Jean's idea of, hey, I can send you up, de- up there. Let's go. And I also, I feel like, uh, I feel like as much as Ren has been trying to be action, 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 he has so much going on in his head. He was probably like, think like just sort of like on autopilot until Jean went, Ren, hey, guess what? And then while he was being beaten by all of the like rocks and stuff he was probably thinking i deserve this like i i feel I mean, like yeah i feel like his his yeah. mental state wasn't indicative of the performance that he gave so jean i think that's fair i think yeah. that's a fair point i mean serious answer i am also going to agree with jean for all of the reasons lifted, listed above, I don't think any of them would have gotten nearly as far as they did without Jean's quick thinking. I think all of that is fair. Um, do we have any other thoughts on this uh, fantastic action <laughs> sequence before before <laughs> we talk about iTunes? When uh, oh, when they did the the Fast Ren special, the thing. <laughs> The thing that I thought about instead of it being a fastball special was the end of Incredibles where where Mrs. Incredible was like, throw, throw me. me. Throw me. <laughs> Jean, throw me. <laughs> yeah. So that that's the that's how I watch Ruby. 
with Incredibles on in the background. Sometimes they they sync up like uh like Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> oh God, this is a good beer. <laughs> Still can't believe it's March 2020. Can you? It's yeah, no. What a not, wild not year this remotely. month. Yep, <laughs> it really has. What a decade. <laughs> oh man. Okay, I think on that note, let's go ahead and talk about iTunes. <laughs> Folks, thank you so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate and subscribe and leave a comment. We love hearing from you. And it it does a world uh, us a world of good to like help hear that you guys are enjoying our show and it helps make us more searchable for people who are looking for Rooster Teeth related content. Um, so it really does help us out quite a bit. So we really appreciate it when you guys take the time to do that. We know we have an international audience, which still completely blows our mind. Um, and so we can't always see when uh, you guys leave iTunes reviews, but we still love giving shout outs to everybody who does. Uh, do we happen to have any new ones this week? We don't have any reviews, but we do have some Twitter interactions. So if you are in uh, in an international iTunes store, please, please, please take a screen cap of your review and send it our way at Rooster Team Radio. And uh, we will include that in our Twitter shout outs. And was that a was <laughs> that a subtle cue of <laughs> <laughs> we do have Twitter shout outs. Yay! Indeed. Um, do you want me to pull those up? No, I got him. I got him here. Okay. I was just like, where is she going with this? Sorry. It's really hard when I can't look at people in the room with me. Because <laughs> I would have been like looking at you like, ah. I'm staring at your screen name so hard. Like, <laughs> how do you not see it? She's staring in the general direction of where you are. <laughs> in, my head, in my head, we're all still at the same table. <laughs> <laughs> Addie's general direction. So I'd like to thank um, we had we had a lot of interaction this week. Um, Melachroma uh, commenting about how we brought up Iron Watts on last week's episode, um, and they're confirming that they're the head of the local Iron Watts Iron Watts branch. <laughs> what have we done? Um, <laughs> a shout out to um, Baruch Spicer, BL Spicer on Twitter. Um, who was really excited to hear us talk about this very episode. Is it living up to your expectations? Um, I also wanted to... Um, everybody ch- everybody on our Discord changed their names to Christmas names, so I, I, I'm really sorry. I'm pretty sure it was Jeanisms. It was Nick who, who posted uh, the meme that we posted on our Twitter account of of me making the Goku reference with Nora last week um which everybody seemed to appreciate and like and they don't have a twitter so i couldn't tag them but i wanted to make sure that we shouted them out um oh and welcome to uh, dz murray who has re- recently like was looking for our discord link which is i wanted to mention is in the description of every episode so if you wanted to join the, the discord it should be in the description of every episode click join the family join the madness because oh boy oh boy Oh boy. Um, also, thanks to Brandon Dodge, uh, Chris Sarasaurus for um, their, their wonderful comments uh, for when we, we took our little break. Um, and High Five Waterslide, who sent us uh, that 
we were there. Rooster Team Radio was their top podcast listened to on Spotify. So everybody's getting their their Spotify charts. I don't have Spotify. I don't know what it's called. But um, if you if you if we if we listed for you, we'd like to hear it. Oh, also Cam Cam sent us their um, his picture as well. And and just as a reminder, if you are listening to this and you are a fan of Red versus Blue, we have a Red versus Blue show that we do every week. If you're subscribed to hear the Ruby show, you should subscribe. To, you should be listening to that show. But if you're listening through Anchor, um, please listen to our, our Red versus Blue. It's even wilder than this, if you could believe it. But um, I'd say today, like if you're listening to this on launch day, today is your last chance to enter into our contest to name uh, our squad. What is the Rooster Team Radio squad name? What are our individual names? Uh, we've gotten four entries so far, and uh, the winner will receive a gift package from one of our sponsors. Katie, do you want to tell the folks about our sponsor? I do. This episode, this network, this madness is sponsored by Fred. He bakes. He does cookies and they are amazing cookies. The flagship cookie, the one that he always has the wonderful, wonderful thing that got all of this madness started is the brown sugar buddy. It's like a cross between a spice cookie and a ginger snap and a molasses cookie. It is chewy. It is spiced. It is absolutely fantastic and it is wonderful dipped in your hot holiday drink of choice i personally prefer the hot apple cider but hey whatever goes in a mug that you enjoy this cookie is great dipped in it if you prefer even more fall flavors he does the maple brown sugar buddies which are that but also with maple which are also absolutely incredible dipped in your hot spiced apple cider holy cow if you are not as much of a spice cookie person, if you are a chocolate chip cookie person, you need to check out the Big Chip Buddies. They are, imagine those like huge muffins that you get from Costco that are the size of if you put both of your fists together, those gigantic honking things. Imagine if you just cut the muffin top off of one of those and you had that muffin top, but it was a cookie and it was soft and it was wonderful and it was packed full of chocolate chips. That is a big chip buddy. They are huge. They are amazing. They're a little more difficult to drink into your hot, to dip into your hot winter drink of choice, but I'm sure you can manage it. And if you, if these all sound amazing and you want to try all of them, he also does sampler boxes where you can obtain several of all of the cookies and then decide which ones you want or just get more sampler boxes because you love them all. It's a legitimate strategy. If you would like to obtain these wonderful cookies that are fresh, that are never frozen, that are made in small batches to order, and that you cannot find in stores, you go to fredhebakes.com. That is three words, fredhebakes.com, and use coupon code the Rooster Team for twenty percent your for twenty percent off your entire order. There's a preposition there. So yes. Fredhebakes.com, coupon code the Rooster Team for 20% off your entire order. And guys, these also make fantastic holiday gifts. Highly recommended. Treat yourself, treat the people around you. You deserve it. I always start daydreaming. <laughs> I'm thinking about cookies and desserts when Katie starts doing the live read. They're so good. Like, guys, I've tested these. These are amazing. Katie tested. Katie approved. <laughs> Damn Skippy. <laughs> Best believe. 
Oh, so again, thank you guys so, so much, um, you know, for supporting our sponsor, for supporting us. We have a tea public and uh, yeah, there, uh, there are a lot of sales going on right now because it's the holidays. So there are a lot of ways to support us in a lot of ways. We appreciate you for every single one. If you are listening to this on launch date or a day or two after, there is a tea public sale this weekend. So do the thing, win the stuff. I put my money where my mouth is and I am obtaining and I hate the ships you like shirt. So that and was I you. Yes. I was I, like, I, who I, did we convert? <laughs> it was me. That was my dumbass. We also, I forgot the shirt existed till I found it. We have a shirt that says media has ruined me. Yeah, and that was I, your fault. Yeah, I distinctly remember saying that at one point. I Either I said that or Stacy did. It was, it was one of us. Was it Stacy? <laughs> I think you sparked the conversation. That was the uh, the all sum of right. it. <laughs> I think it was you saying that. My memories are suspect, but I fucking love that shirt. So get things that bring you joy. And I sincerely hope our shirts bring you joy because they bring me joy and I'm getting one. Oh, so again, we can't say thank you enough for all the different ways that you guys support us. We, we love you guys. And um, yeah, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's get back to it. So as fantastic as that action sequence was, that's really not the meat and potatoes of this episode. I think I think it was Mark that touched on it a little earlier, but what proceeds is, uh, is Ren and Yang and Jean walking through the cold, trying to find an outpost that he kind of saw <laughs> from his vantage point um, at the top of the cliff. They're looking for a place to just basically lay low and fix the bike so that they can continue trying to pursue the hound or at least figure out some sort of, some semblance of a next step. Yeah, but... But Whoa. what, pre- <laughs> thank you. Thank you for booing me. That was a bad joke. <laughs> I feel bad about it. It was so bad. I missed it completely. Good. Like it took me a minute and I'm usually on it, but you buried the lead so hard that it was <laughs> underground and had to break out at the end of the episode. Like one of those little underground wormy grims. <laughs> yeah, sure. Little. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's what you take issue with here. Nice <laughs> descriptor. Much like when you get more of them together, they spiral. Hey! Yep. But what, what follows is then finally everybody's frustration finally comes to a head. And Yang and Ren finally finally start hashing it out. And Ren lashes out at both of them. So, yeah, this was, I think this particular scene was a long time coming. And I'm really, it's so weird to say, I'm like, I'm so glad we finally got to see it. That sounds really weird to say, but I'm finally, I'm glad we are finally here at these beats because um, Ren has just been stewing in his feelings and frustration for so long. And he's finally said the thing out loud that he's been ruminating on so tight for so long which is we made a mistake we have no idea what we're doing uh (laughs) and ultimately none of us knows what's going to happen next and he's just angry about that so what did we think of 
them finally reaching this point of confrontation. Let's go ahead and start with Mark, since you brought it up at the top of the episode. Man, Ren's in a bad way. Like, this this feeling, this notion, um, the way that everything has been leading to this explosion, I still hold to my my theory that he may be able to mask emotion, but he if if it's a big enough outburst, he might be able to do that too, which is why he tries to stay as calm as he can. Maybe he knows. But um, in terms of this scene, who hasn't felt that, man? Like, who hasn't, especially like us, us I'll, I'll say 20, 30-somethings, um, who doesn't... Who doesn't feel that from time to time? What am What am I doing? Like, what are What are we doing? I didn't. Th- this wasn't how things were supposed to be. We were supposed to do this. We were supposed to do that, and Ren Ren hasn't been able to accept that yet. And and much like uh, a, a lot of people, for some of our younger listeners out there, uh, th- this is this is life, man. Like <laughs> I'm coming to you from Orlando. If this time last year, this wasn't, oh no, I was here last year, but this time, two years ago, I'll say, um, this wasn't a thought, this wasn't a blip, this wasn't anything. Things occur in life that you weren't expecting, and similarly to Ren flying behind our our baddest good boy, um, you just kind of have to ride them out and see where they go. And I think Jean is a great example of rolling with the punches, you know, like he, as, as not necessarily was revealed, but as was reminded, he lied his way into beacon. And I, the, so season one, we get team Juniper and that was sort of a, and, and Jean had started to have to deal with like, why am I the leader? Pira should be the leader. And the whole his whole arc sorry his whole arc of um getting to a place where like (laughs) getting to a place where he feels comfortable in his own skin and competent and all of these things and he realizes that he is the sum of his actions he for somebody who was one of the most immature characters at the beginning has been through so much and has gone through so much to where he's like an elder statesman at this point and and ren has been so locked in his ways and not to say that he hasn't evolved but he he hasn't evolved (laughs) he hasn't changed he hasn't upgraded he's he's still you know we we found out what his semblance was that didn't necessarily that was a discovery for us as the audience but to take that into account for him as a uh, he's always been good. He's always been like the the linchpin. He's always been the ace in the hole, um, in the sense of like, oh well, they, well, Ren's there, so you know that that whole team is dynamite. But th- whenever like I, when what was it the the two headed Taijitu at the very beginning, that was a thing where instantly we knew, oh, Ren's good. He can handle this huge grim, even though we're not as familiar with the world or grim yet at this point. That his Ren's performances early on before we really started to starting to get to know him showed this like this level of competency 
And while everybody else has been learning more about themselves and growing and growing and getting and getting better, I feel like, you know, in hindsight, from an ability standpoint, Ren has stagnated. And that's really what he is dealing with here is he hasn't had any major to to take from Last Airbender again. He hasn't had his life-changing field trip with Zuko yet. He, <laughs> he hasn't had the realization of what he can really bring to the table, whereas everybody... Like, and, and here's where the split of him and Nora happens is I think Nora is going to jump and surpass him from pushing her limits with getting getting electrocuted to the equaling being struck by lightning and she is going to surpass and and i think that's when ren is finally going to be able to acknowledge of i've been so stuck in my ways well at least i hope so that uh he's been so stuck in his ways that he hasn't been able to progress because he's not he's not progressing in other ways of his life and i think this scene was a big highlight of that stagnation and ultimately he's pushing people away because he doesn't know what to do because he's done things a certain way essentially his entire life and he's just not willing to similarly to yang go out of his comfort zone and that's what i pulled from the scene this is my book report thanks for coming to my TED talk. that strikes me a lot as especially you bringing up that he's kind of been the same all through Beacon and since Beacon, we got a little bit of emotional growth with him, with Jim and Randall, with the Nuklevi, with kind of learning to get through that and be able to rely on other people to help him with his problems. But you're right. For the most part, he's been stagnant. What we're looking at is an honor student who never had to study in high school and then hits college and is completely unprepared for everything it has to throw at him. It's a really good metaphor. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my life. But yeah, that is that is exactly what we're seeing. And that's that's really good of you to point out. Because yeah, that that is kind of the point where you hit that point. You realize that everything you have been doing up to that point that has worked in previous scenarios no longer works for where you are. And you don't have a backup plan. You never learn to study. You never learn to problem solve. You don't know how to manage your time. And you're not honestly sure where to go from here. Like, that's that's where we are. And I, fantastic job, Mark, pointing that out. That I only just realized that while you were talking. So, yeah. It was, well, it's yeah. sort of just working through complex like complex emotions for somebody who like for something that kept him safe like his space his safe space being a thing of like if everybody being emotion free so that the grim can't notice us and that's a part of what powers his semblance that's just the way that he's been living his life the whole time that's the way that he literally stay stay safe like is there a name for his his semblance like the negative zone because i i would like no no joke no anything because of what it provides i would call it safe space like it specifically for that world and in taking on the grim that's what it does and i and i would call it that and and he just he hasn't been able to break free from that which is why i would like to see 
him um, his semblance emotionally lash out in the opposite direction and and enhance emotions as opposed to negating them because that might that's the other end of the spectrum for him and and he needs to he needs to see that strong feelings in any direction can have consequences and that's that's a weird way to put that but in, in the sense of like it can affect you it can affect those around you it can affect the people you love etc 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 yeah in terms of his semblance name for some reason my brain is coming up with like tranquility oh that works I'm sure that's better. Has, like i'm sure it has an actual name and one of us will look it up at some point but yeah, and I appreciate that that goes hand in hand with the conversation he has with Jean later. Like, the more you bottle it up, the more lonely you'll feel. Well, he's the two steps for this are bottle your emotions and Molotov cocktail. Huh. And he's hitting Molotov cocktail point, but he's never thrown a Molotov cocktail before and has no idea how to handle it. We have the exact opposite of the Yang character arc we had earlier, where her over-reliance on her semblance left her open in other ways. And it was overly emotional and too reliant on that rage. And she learned to moderate and she learned some self-control. So she is the direct contrast to what we need to see from Ren now, where he needs to learn to feel his feelings and that that is okay. Also, it is tranquility. So to anybody who within that two minutes of me calling a safe space <laughs> and Katie mentioning tranquility who tweeted at me or messaged us in the Discord, thank you. We appreciate your patronage. <laughs> Look, I'm just a huge Zenyatta fan. So that's <laughs> like, no, nah, no, nah, my brain just goes, experience tranquility. And here we are. Yeah. Stacy, what was your take on uh, Ren's character development this episode? Uh, I think that uh mark was really onto something kind of juxtaposing john's huge character development early on and how far he had to go to ren's kind of current predicament there's this huge difference in where john was starting out he was in a very safe supportive controlled environment and had the room to grow and make mistakes and really come into his own confidence. And so now we're seeing that reverberate now out here in, you know, the much colder, harsher world. Whereas Ren was good to go <laughs> up until now. He hasn't really, he has had things compounding and compounding and the stakes keep getting higher, but he hasn't had to really deal with this. So Ren's reckoning is coming in a much more difficult time where his surroundings aren't necessarily stable enough to work through it in ways that could be hugely beneficial to him so like seeing Jean is now much more well equipped to handle especially emotional quandaries whereas Ren whose entire you know process has been you know not to process it suddenly coming out here <laughs> it's like oh you got a lot of feelings and we need to talk about them good luck buddy he is literally <laughs> conceal don't feel and we all know how well that works out it's i mean it's it's not looking good and we already do see it uh with here i mean all right we could talk we could go back several volumes and talk about all of the horrible things that have been coming at Ren and that have been happening to him and the people he loves. But let's just go back a week. They're going to save the world. 
we're gonna bring Amity Arena back up and we are going to save the world. Oh nope, that's Let's not gonna work. Let's go back to work. yesterday. <laughs> that's not gonna work. We're gonna save Mantle. We're gonna focus on Mantle. We can save the people of Mantle. Oh, nope, no, no, no. Sorry, that's not working either. We gotta go save Oscar. We're gonna save Oscar. We're gonna keep him away from Salem. No, gotta save my friends. We're abandoning thing after thing. And then after that, we're narrowing down even further. Now, I got to keep myself from freezing to death. His, yeah, that's his crazy. focus oh, is just narrowing. And these big lofty dreams of being a huntsman, achieving all of these things, how it's supposed to work is just constantly being battered down and down. And we're seeing that he is not equipped to handle this yet. And he's not equipped to reach out to the people that could help him handle this. Um, and I think, I think Mark is also right about how this is going to come to a head with Nora, who is blooming and is looking to actively bloom at this point. So we're going to see that narrowing come into sharp contrast with that bloom. One, I, I love that. I love that so much. Um, one of the most important lessons you can learn, like as you grow up, is learning to let go of your mistakes um, and learning that like it, it's no good to waste emotional energy on like, I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have done this. I should have done that. Um, it is so easy to get into that trap, just being a normal person living in the world and living your life and coming of age, like learning to let go of coulda, shoulda, woulda is something that you like, you have to reconcile with as you grow older. And ideally you learn to let go of like, you learn to let go and go, well, you know, it is what it is, how instead of like, oh, I should have done this, go, what can I learn from my mistakes? How do I manage my life in the here and now? How do I make the best of this situation? Um, and a lot of like, I think the moral from last volume for Ruby in particular was making a choice and learning to deal with the consequences of those actions um, regard and instead of dwelling on whether or not it was the right thing to do, because nobody in, in, in situations like these, nobody really knows what the right thing to do is. It's all guesswork. You know, you make, you, you think about your options and you make your best guess, but nobody can see the future. Nobody knows how things would have turned out. There were so many people last volume who, when Ruby chose to hide the truth from Ironwood, was like, well, this is all Ruby's fault. Um, if she had just come clean with him, to him from the start, like none of this would have happened. You don't know that. <laughs> no. And also following on that, they had just dealt with Lionheart, who was in Salem's pocket. So how can you be sure that Ironwood isn't as well? We, the audience, are fairly certain that that's not the case when they get there. But how the heck are they supposed to know that from the inside of the fourth wall? But my, my point in bringing that up is that that's a lesson that Ruby had to learn. And, you know, it's uh, I'm really glad that she's able to 
to look at her choices and instead of focusing on like, well, I should have done this, I should have done this, instead focuses on the here and now and how she can help, he, how she can still help as many people as she can as possible. Uh, and now we see Ren dealing with the ramifications of those choices too. And at everything that that Stacy just listed of like, I tried to do this, I tried to do this, I tried to do this. It is perfectly, it is 100% natural to feel frustration and anger when everything you've tried to do has kind of backfired in one way or another. Um, the, the thing to do here is not to give up given but just to keep trying uh you know keep shooting i just i really appreciate those valuable life lessons that like all all people have to deal with as they're growing up i really appreciate that in this story but you take that situation and you amplify the stakes immensely like I think back on my life, I'm like, oh, I'm like when I was a teenager, I I should have done this. I should have done this. Da 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 da. That none of that stuff actually matters in the grand (laughs) scheme of the world. These are kids dealing with like immortals and like with magical powers and armies of like monster, like literally dealing with armies of monsters knocking at their door at the moment. Um, and being betrayed by people they thought they could trust. Like, the stakes in Ruby are extremely high, and I think we often forget that these are still kids. Yeah, they might have graduated, but they're still kids. And so I can't fathom the frustration and anger uh, that I would feel in, like, in that scenario where, like, oh, this is a, a normal thing that all people have to deal with as they grow up. Happening... It's the fate of the world on the line. So I really appreciate this, both for the life lesson and for the narrative stakes at play. It's it's really good stuff. Um, do we have any other thoughts on Ren um, before? There, there's something else I want to touch on when it comes to this particular sequence. But is there anything else about Ren's current predicament that we want to talk about? I think we're good. All right. Well, if uh, if you all will just step this way with me, I mean... Nope, nope. I'm staying down for a good time. <laughs> Jean and Ren, you know, they're not the only people here on this team right now. And they're not the only people dealing with feelings right now, guys. And right now, Yang is feeling like maybe she let somebody down and is she's concerned about what that means. And guys, I think this is our first bit of Bumblebee for this season. So let's not waste any time and head on straight up to the Love Loft so we can talk about some relationship stuff amidst all this dark, dark chaos. (sighs) Up that nice little remodeled spiral staircase. Next to the escalator. (laughs) (laughs) So specifically... Actually... Calling it yes. the spiraling sk- staircase is a pretty uh, good idea, because the love loft spirals down into the the sidebar. Sidebar. This is very true. This is very true. Um, I appreciated Yang playing the pronoun game here. 
Like, this made me very, very happy because we're like, oh, she's like, oh, do you think she thinks less of me? And John going, you know, Ruby's your sister. She'll always love you. And given the conversation that we saw last episode, we're like, ah, yes, this is the bookend to that. This is the other side of that conversation. And then it's, right, Ruby. And I'm just sitting here going, oh, Jean played the pronoun game and he lost. He's going to wake up in the middle of the night and go, wait a minute. Well, think about think about John's family. He's he has such a huge amount of siblings compared to everybody else. And when it he's he's thinking about who's most important in his life aside from the team. And I I don't put it past him to think that Yang was talking about Ruby. Oh yeah, it absolutely makes sense. I just appreciate that we had. It's not quite a bait and switch, but it is again the pronoun game. And I just, I love that we have that and that it allows a moment or two for us as the audience to sit back and, you know, be that gif of Anthony Mackie where he sits back and puts a hand over his mouth and just considers his life decisions. Like <laughs> that, you know what I'm talking about, that one. I love that it allows us the space to do that and lets us sit there and go, oh, yeah. Like, I appreciated this a lot. Thank you, Eddie. This was just Chef kiss, very well executed. <laughs> Stacy, I think it was a particularly nice moment because we, from what we have seen on screen, the interactions that we've seen, it makes sense to assume that she's thinking about Ruby. From what we've gotten shown to us, there was really no chance for Yang and Blake to have a discussion about this. And I think this sentiment kind of suggests that, no, they didn't really talk about the decisions that they made. And while we didn't really see any animosity on either Blake or Yang's part with their choices, the fact that she's still worrying about it, well, it, it warms my little bumblebee heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, same. I, I really appreciate that... Um... This establishes a couple things. Uh, one, that, uh, you know, Yang, she might be a little bit concerned about having hurt Ruby's feelings or anything like that. But, like, the the great thing about Jean trying to reassure her in this way is that she she's like, yeah, I know all that. <laughs> like, I know that no matter what, Ruby's going to love me for forever. And like, there, nothing in the world is going to change that. That's not what I meant. <laughs> because that's not a problem for me. Um, but uh, she has, you know, ever since the whole team got to back together, like, her relationship with Blake has, like, it's really developed and they've been through a lot together. And, you know, back, back in volume six, when we were introduced to the apathy, that's where we got um, a lot of the frustrations that, that Yang was having with Blake having gone off on her own. That's where that sort of came to a head and they got past it. And so, and like even last volume, when, uh, they made this decision together to let Robin in on the secret. Like that was something that they did together. They were a united front on that. And this is like the first time that they've actually, since Blake went off on her own, that they've chosen to walk different paths. 
Um, like there was even a point about it last volume when they were training with the Aesops, like somebody made the comment of like, I think it was Marrow. It was like, Hey, you guys are always a pair together. Like, why don't you try switching up the team dynamics a little bit? And they were like, no, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I think this is the first time they've really, um, gone their separate ways since since the team was reunited and i think that does make yang a little anxious and worry about what 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 she thinks blake thinks her priorities are if that made any sense um but i i like that no matter you know how dire things get i it just it makes me happy that yang is thinking of blake and that you know she's it, it it was nice it was a nice little shippy moment and i <laughs> like i said last last episode i will take my serotonin where i can get it <laughs> it's it's my- one of those things though it's one of those feelings of hey remember happy times <laughs> oh. that's all i got <laughs> i think i do i don't know 2020 has oh. been going on so long <laughs> um But yeah, okay, do we have any other cute, shippy things that we want to talk about before we slide back down that spiral staircase um, (laughs) and and finish up this plot line? That staircase, the rail is polished brass and is therefore safe for sliding. And sliding will actually help polish it more, so you know we're good. (laughs) Uh, I loved this. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Love it, period. Yeah. More Bumblebee, please. <laughs> That's all I ask. All right. So to wrap this scene up, Ren goes out into the cold to sit and sulk. Jean volunteers to go get him. Uh, Yang is repairing their motorcycle. And yeah, Jean goes to bed. Oh, that's right. Jean goes to bed. Uh, Yang, she's going to repair the motorcycle, but she's going out to make sure Ren doesn't freeze to death. And we, the camera floats out over the ice where the ice begins to crack. And guys, I don't know about you, but that was a wonderful way to, (laughs) to end the episode for me. It reminds me significantly of back in volume six when the apathy were introduced. I know we got apathy arms uh, in the opening. I don't know if that's what we're in store for with this cliffhanger, but it gives off horror movie vibes and I'm really excited about it. And I really, really can't wait for the next episode. Uh, do we have any other thought? Do we have any thoughts on this cliffhanger? Let's start with Katie. Well, I screamed. <laughs> uh, we got our titular fault. I think you were the one that yelled. It's not just a metaphor. <laughs> If I recall correctly, I did. I did shout that. And we have we we have this on video footage, and they're just yeah, some real great facial expressions during this episode. Let me tell you. But yeah, I I did a little yelling. You did a lot more yelling, and I wouldn't be surprised if the apathy that we've been seeing in the uh, in the opening are also not just a metaphor here. I, I just, you know, I'm I'm expecting another disaster. Jean straight up calling it with the, it always seems to get worse before it gets better. And I'm like, yeah, dude, we're in the first third of the show of the season still. We're coming out of the end of the first third of the season. But nonetheless, we're still there. This is the rising action. Welcome to hell. So yeah, uh, this is bad, but I'm here for it. Mark, what did you think of this cliffhanger? 
<sighs> this was the this was the cementing of one of the most apt named episodes of Ruby in the show's run because we got so many examples of a fault and and the concept of fault and every every sort of a thing so when the episode ended it was like what what type of fault haven't we shown yet oh a physical earth fault let's go let's do it boom nailed it credits blow drop those aviator sunglasses crack a brew <laughs> throw money up and dab your heart out as i oh, imagine eddie as i imagine eddie did when he finished writing the script but he earned it he earned it um <laughs> If if this is going to be like another boss mini boss grim, um, y'all g- just gave me the idea. Um, this is going to be a reference for people. I I tried to, I'm going to try to make it as easy as possible. If anybody uh, is familiar with Kurt Vonnegut, uh, th- there is a a creature that he introduced in one of his books. I think it was Cat's Gradle, um, called a Grand Falloon. Which was Ooh. like a it it was like a, a mindless hive of things, and they took that and and like to become this like big. I think that it was described. I have the quote here. It was described as a proud and meaningless association of human beings, and Whoa. and there was a there was a and here's here's where it goes to nerdy territory. There was a there was a a boss character in Castlevania. Uh, Symphony of the Night. Yep, the one with Alucard. Um, that was called Grand Falloon. That was essentially just a giant mass of people that would like attack in pieces. And I'm imagining a a grim version of that. That's all apathy. <laughs> so it's like gross and tentacly, and it makes everybody a, sad and want to die. It's a ruby dark soul boss. You it's could a, have just yeah. said apathy rat king, and we would have gotten it. No, that's that's a different show. Um, <laughs> I, but I mean more. I mean more specifically here. I'll, I'll use this example too. If people didn't play, uh, imagine like when you beat Andros in Star Fox, and he's just the brain and eyes, but it's that's an apathy. <laughs> that's incredible i want it i want it i want so it so that's what i'm gonna be not sleeping to tonight cool <laughs> thanks <laughs> i don't think you understand how happy you've made megan here oh katie like- don't get it twisted i completely understand <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he's doing mark was just talking about a horrible monster and it just made me so happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Girl, I'm just supposed to take a selfie with you right the fuck now. Just so people can see. Just, just um, listen to listen to hashtag Ruby Redux. <laughs> <laughs> listen to Ruby Redux. We talk about horrible things happening to good characters. Here's how happy we are about it. Yay. Honestly, that's a really good sell. <laughs> people enough. love that shit. Hi, we love you all. Hey, guys. Mark, you've made me so happy. You've made me the happiest girl in the world. <laughs> Stacy, what did you think of this cliffhanger? Stacy, follow that act. God, right? I, I don't really think I can add anything much more than that. Although, I do have to say, the moment when Jean's little speech turned into this voiceover for this rushing pan, it's like, oh, oh, here we 
go. <laughs> We're just sitting here marking time till Saturday like, Ugh. well, how fucked are we? And it's going to cut away to someone else and we won't find out till next weekend. Hey. So Ruby does. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It is. It took us a while to get back to a Krampus and his boy. Ruby is as Ruby does. I like that. <laughs> um, I'm really excited. I, I know we... Um, Are you? I, I know we Are talked you? about uh, the hound being kind of like the thing um, when when it was introduced when we were trying to come up with a name for it. But I really also love the idea of um, a straight up like thing homage happening mm. in Ruby mm. here at this little outpost in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> so regardless of what the, uh, the, the monster ends up being, uh, I'm really excited <laughs> for what's about to come. Um, uh, but anyway, okay. Uh, we still got a chunk of the episode to talk about and we've been going for nearly two hours. So let's go ahead and head on over to Monstra, uh, because Oscar and Salem are face to face for the very first time. And, Oh, good God, was this was this hard to watch? Um, because Os, like she she starts addressing Ozpin and Oscar tries to fake it. <laughs> he tries to pretend to be Ozpin and it she sees right through it. And yeah, what proceeds is a whole like fascinating and nail biting, but also deeply upsetting. Um, what did we think of Ozpin and Salem's reunion, even though Ozpin was decidedly absent from the moment? Uh, let's go ahead and start with Stacy since he went last last time. <laughs> Man, I just imagine 30 seconds of Ozpin furiously trying to coach Oscar on how to respond to Salem to try and trick her into thinking that it's him knowing that it's completely futile and just that was yeah that did not go well Salem is terrifying and phenomenal and wow what what a performance what an absolutely commanding like moment can she stop please I need her to go several Never. steps back and not, but also don't stop because it <laughs> makes for Christ. some good episodes. <laughs> this is that gif that's mark me down as scared and horny. <laughs> <laughs> Salem. <laughs> and that's that's just Salem in a nutshell. Just just mark me down as scared and horny. And I'm ace, so that tells you something. Uh May I, Megan, may I go next? Proceed. Hell yeah. All right. Um, I really love that this scene started with Oscar waking up and Oz going, don't panic. You're going to be okay. And I'm like, oh, that's not a good introduction to anything. Like, regardless of what I'm walking into, if it's a final exam or a day at work or the DMV or Disneyland, if someone prefaces my very first moments in there with, don't panic, you're going to be okay, you know that you are in for a bad time. Just yikes. Oz is bad at this. I mean, we knew this, (laughs) you know, you know, sky blue, water wet, Oz is bad at this. This poor old man. And poor Oscar, he, 
He unfortunately, I don't think, I don't think he got that 30 seconds of desperate coaching that he really, really needed. And Salem is far too old and has seen far too much shit to let him try to get away with faking it. He cannot fake it until he makes it. Salem won't give him the time or opportunity. So then this turning into the nega wave Kamehameha and then the world's worst escalation is just... It's such a beautifully written scene, and I love it, and I hate it, <laughs> and I love it. It's, 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 I, I know she would like to see the child, but we need the Mandalorian to just burst in and be like, contracts null and void, I'm taking the kid back with me. Because, yikes! 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 Mark? That was really high pitched. I had to take my headphones out for a second. Oy. Um, I regret I, nothing. Can I Sums get it up. Um, from from everybody here? Could I get a quick animani totally insaney? Yes. Okay. Uh, three, two, what? Animani totally insaney. Salem's really veiny. Animani. Thanks to. Much appreciated. That was from Cody in our Discord, who just posted that um, as as we were recording. I like the the meme of replacing that last thing. Absolutely amazing. Um, this scene was terrifying, and I hated it and loved it at the same time. Um, our 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 baddest, goodest, drippy boy, um, uh, <laughs> like 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 it was said previously. If you're coming to consciousness with like, it's okay, it's okay. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. <laughs> It can't it can't be good. Like at best your like celebrity crush is in front of you. And that's like one percent. But um did I any... mean for a lot of people that would be Salem. <laughs> did anybody Again, scared and horny. Did anybody notice what Salem was looking at in the corner before she turned her attention to Oscar? No. I saw people discussing it. Wasn't it like it was dreams of their kids? It was. It she was watching memories of their daughters because you could hear <gasps> you could hear kids laughing and playing, and it was for for small shapes that looked humanoid, and so putting one and two together, she was remembering. And getting herself in the mood for some good old-fashioned ex-husband torture. And <laughs> she put the... on her best dress to do it too. Dude, seriously, and then she's he like, didn't even show up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look so good when I try to kill him. Um, <laughs> and and power just move. to go around power move, just to go around for the third time, scared and horny. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this this whole thing. I had no idea where it was where it was going to go, and it would like you couldn't you didn't think that Salem leaving would make things worse, and it did because our boy Hazel doing a, showing up with a top knot, uh, beating the absolute garbo out of like he he's like I am I am not above beating a child, and I'm going to I don't. Ugh. It's so unsettling and terrible, but for the sake of the plot, makes everything make sense and that hurt that much more. Oh yeah, I, I, actually, you go ahead. You haven't had a chance go, to talk about this it. yet. Okay, I, I, 
I appreciate that it's Hazel doing this, and I appreciate that we have Salem and Krampus leaving them to it that Salem does not stick around for this. Because I think, and this is kind of pushing me a little bit to the edge of the prediction patio precipice, um, I think that this is where we might start getting the opportunity for uh, Hazel's about face. Because we've always kind of hoped, like, he would see where this shit is headed and that he would take the kids and leave. Like we were hoping for that for him because of all of our villainous long table, he seemed to be the one that isn't necessarily married to the idea of ushering in the apocalypse and might turn around depending on things because his motivation is an extremely personal revenge. And so I honestly think that this might give him the chance to have the conversation, not with Oz, but with Oscar, that might turn things around. Because as I've maintained for him, we don't actually know how his sister died, but we did get to see the workings of Beacon. And we did get to see that after a certain point, students start going on missions, first supervised by faculty and then unsupervised as they get more experienced. So it would not surprise me if his sister died on a training mission, died in a horrible accident, and that she chose to go to the academy and chose to take these missions well-informed, knowing the risks, and that he, instead of going, well, she was informed, she knew the risks, this is a tragedy, blamed Ozpin for one reason or another, because he was running the school, because he put her on the mission, whatever, and instead of him being able to talk to someone who would be able to say, hey, you know, let's work through this particular stage of grief and on to the next one. Let's get you out the other side of this. Let's find you a healthy way to cope with this. He was instead picked up by Salem, who was like, no, it was totally Oz's fault. You should totally burn down the entire world with me to get back at him. It'll be great. So... Given all of the villainous motivations we have, I think he has the best chance of turning around. And I think him and Oscar being uninterrupted in a room together might be a good opportunity, even though his aim here is to just beat the ever-loving daylights out of Oscar. Like, I still think this is where we're going to get this turnaround, but it's going to fucking hurt. This was a rough sequence. Um, like, I know I, I was just really, really giddy a couple minutes ago about the prospect of a horror movie monster, of another horror movie monster popping up in Ruby, but like, it is genuinely unsettling to see Salem blast, you know, pure magic directly at Oscar to leave a char mark on his chest and then immediately follow that up by stroking his cheek. It's it like it was really unsettling and, <laughs> and upsetting. And then, yeah, Mark having Hazel come in right after that. And somehow that that situation, that bad situation goes from bad to worse. Like it's it just completely 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 awful oh man yeah it's this is the the i hate it but it's so good <laughs> um that's good writing and good storytelling <laughs> how upsetting but also narratively uh narratively fulfilling it is too and i i wholly agree katie i think as much as like 
seeing him beat a child, uh, our child, our sweet son, um, makes me go, never mind, <laughs> Hazel, you don't get your redemption arc. I don't want it anymore. I really do think that is where we're going. And I, I feel like if anybody has the ability to reach or to reason with Hazel, it might be Oscar because he's so good and pure and wonderful. But it's, I don't know, it's hard to say. I, I think, I don't know if we're there yet. <laughs> but either way, I I, <laughs> I want Oscar to like find a way to object himself from this situation. Pretty, pretty please. Um, hopefully. So hopefully says with- the fandom. We're <laughs> <laughs> just like, save the boy. Save the boy. Help him. Oh. But man, I did not even notice... <laughs> I did not even notice the stuff um, that she was looking at. at the, thank you for pointing that out. That's crazy. I'm going to have to rewatch this. Um, but as Salem leaves the room, uh, she also uh, happens to, to walk by Neo and Cinder on her way out. She points out that her, her good, bad pupper is an experiment of some sort. Uh, do, do we have any thoughts on what that might mean? Uh, let's let's go ahead and start with Stacy. Any thoughts on what? Because a lot of people have apparently taken this to mean that the Hound is potentially Summer. I don't particularly agree with that, oh but I do like speculating on what it could be. Man, ugh, that that would just be ultimate full horror. And I, if we're going for absolutely throwing Salem into the most villainous like way that she could possibly be then i love that for her (laughs) i don't like it i oh she's an awesome lady boss but also ah oh no evil wow i mean that is just that is just the depths of like oh no calculated cold pure evil she might be there i don't know that i don't oh, i don't know that we'll go there uh i think i took it took it a lot more of a so we're not going to get like mass produced hounds but maybe we'll get a couple of different functional like different creatures that serve functional purposes so this may not be the only unique experiment that we'll see. We just hope they're not based off of, you know, people. <laughs> so you're telling me that instead of the naming the hound Krampus, we should have named it Soylent Green. <laughs> no, we're hoping that we don't we have to go hope there. Not. <laughs> uh, Katie, any thoughts on the hound? I not particularly a fan of this it was people the whole time theory just because if she had summer and if summer was a maiden or if summer had silver well presuming summer had silver eyes or if she was connected in some way i feel like there are better more horrifying ways for salem to use that to her advantage than to try to turn her into a grim i think this grim is 100 percent salem's art project <laughs> And that she put together and that she loves and she hopes that dad will stick it on the fridge because he's proud of her. Like, 
I think that's where we are with this one. I think it is entirely unique, but I also think that it's 100% certified organic grim. <laughs> I think if we do wind up with turning people into grim, we are going to have some horrifying, you can tell that it's people in there aspects of it. That's not just, well, maybe this one can grow vocal cords if it needs to communicate. Like, I think that if we do go with horrifying Nina Alexander people grim chimeras, that we will know that it is people in there and that people is 50% of the ingredients. Like, I don't think that's going to be a stealth horror. I think that's going to be an in-your-fucking-face horror. And we do know that Salem can make unique grim because where else did the whale come from? <laughs> She's had a long time to perfect her art, you guys. So it's an interesting theory. Please feel free to run with it. I personally don't subscribe to it. But we'll see. Mark, how about you? Salem's whole plan is about revenge on Ozma. Having part of the plan for revenge on Ozma, if if it is somewhere in there, that wasn't a plan. That was that. I think that's a convenient device for our story. I don't think she would have it in in the sense of I needed I needed a power battery. <laughs> of somebody <laughs> of somebody with like a specific skill set in order to power this this uh, doggo i i think <laughs> the the leaps of logic are way too way too wide way too way too big i don't know how to how do you measure leaps um seven lords of leaping anyway um, <laughs> long long leaps long boys and to see the <laughs> the entire physicality of just like standard Krampus that we see in this in the following scene I unless unless the body is like mangled there's no way there's no way that Summer's in there and I think it's it's people people like yes the show can be dark this isn't meant to be a pun yes the show can be grim but I do not think that it would go that far because remember Still, this is supposed to be uh, an all-ages show. Not a kid's show, but an all-ages animated show. It is not an adult animation like your Rick and Morty's, your South Park's, your Boondock's. This is a an all-ages animated show. And to go that far, like they already talked about like killing kids. And that's probably the farthest they'll go because they established their big bad that way. Um, and And... We've had main characters die because that's life. Um, I I really don't think that that this is summer. I think that I think more now, similarly to what Stacy said, that this is a one-off in terms of the hound. All right, this is what I could do with this experiment. Think of what else I could do. So I know that some of our characters are in, or they're all of our characters are inspired some way shape or form by stories uh now i think salem's got a little bit of dr victor frankenstein in her <laughs> um i i concur i i like the theory that it's summer um of just course you I, do well, you're the happiest girl not... in the world <laughs> <laughs> i i like the theory just because i after last volume i am dying to know what happened to summer but i don't think that's the most narratively satisfying way to wrap up that particular plot thread i think this is just 
exactly what it is on the surface. It's an experiment. It's a one-off. It's a what, like what? How effective can an adaptable grim be? Um, one that can change its shape. Um, like I, I think that's the main idea behind this particular grim is like, hey, she got bored one day and she was just like, hey what if I threw a grim at them that basically acted like a Swiss army knife? Like it has everything you need. It, it has everything any grim could ever possibly need. Uh, let me just throw that at them and see how it goes. Again, she's immortal. If it doesn't work out, she has other experiments that she could use. She's a very patient woman. But yeah, I, I appreciate the theories though. I mean, we say all the time that like, we throw theories at the wall. Send us your theories. This like this is good juicy stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, that's not the the meat and potatoes of this interaction. Uh, what it is is Cinder and Neo are there, and Cinder keeps insisting that um, that she has that that Salem shouldn't be sitting back and just kind of allowing things to play out. She should be taking a more active role. And Cinder keeps wanting to volunteer for that. Like, hey, I can do this for you. I can do this. And we see just how little Salem thinks of Cinder and how that treatment has affected the way Cinder treats her subordinates. And so after getting knocked down a peg... Cinder decides that she's going to go off on her own mission. Uh, and it looked like she's trying to convince Neo to go with her to make their way to Amity Arena. And uh, as <laughs> Neo's not convinced, though, but Emerald chimes in and she's like, I didn't mean to overhear, but I can help out. Um, I want to help you. <laughs> and Cinder just seems really, really annoyed by that. <laughs> Um, because she's the worst. Um, what? But it looks like we are going to be taking a girls' trip to Amity Arena. What do we think of the way Salem and Cinder's interactions ultimately reflect on the way that she treats Neo and Emerald? Uh, let's go ahead and start with Mark. I'm really excited for next week's episode of Three Stooges. <laughs> One of so. Earlier in the show, if if thank congratulations to everybody who's made it through because this is our longest episode of this season and it's only gonna get longer. But um, yeah, probably uh I wanted the the thing that I purely enjoyed from the jump on this episode, like from my first time watching it, I should say, was just how over it Neo was about everything like not like she wasn't scared of the dog she wasn't scared of salem she was just like we're wasting our time when do i get to kill the girl like the entire time and her being so nonplussed makes me think that she's gonna prove herself to be an asset even more but it's just gonna be a thing of like failing upwards in salem's organization of like you're my new general now and she's like i just i just want to kill the girl and then salem's like oh me too how crazy um <laughs> oh oh dude <laughs> uh, krampus evolved to get vocal cords can salem like throw grim grossness at her and make her evolve to have a creepy voice <laughs> no thank you <laughs> oh, thanks i hate it <laughs> hey megan remember when i made you the happiest person <laughs> 
I am now every every episode I will now contain a Turbo Teen reference and me trying to be the opposite of that. I am going to try. I am going to try to find the spectrum of Megan's horror, uh, Dark Passenger, as it's been referred. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like where are you trying to ask me where my body horror line is? <laughs> no, I'm going to find out. But um, it shifts. Oh wow! Like, Just, like body horror, like much like Krampus itself. But I, th- I like Emerald's. Like, oh, I can help when I can firmly believe that at all times Emerald might be in the same room as Cinder without her knowing it. <laughs> God, you're right, and I hate it. <laughs> Oh no! Just, just imagine every scene on Monstra that we have seen or not. So, like, Emerald was going to go on this trip, whether <laughs> whether Cinder liked it or not. I believe, um, and we're gonna, we're really gonna see. I think how <laughs> it's interesting to think that Neo's going to be the adult in the car. <laughs> Like she's gonna be the no, we have it at home. She's gonna be the she's gonna be the 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 mom that drives through McDonald's and gets one black I mean, coffee and drives she, away. She is Mary Poppins, uh, yeah. so yeah, she's like, she oh, is. children. I was gonna say she's not the we have it at home adult. She is the one black coffee adult. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> Agreement. Also, I I, just, I, just, I have to bring it here. I have to bring it here. I have to bring it here. If I was invisible, <laughs> then I would just. Watch you in your room. No. <laughs> well, Thank and there's you. Emerald's theme song. Yeah, a little no bit. No one likes little this. Bit. Let me let me return I, the favor. I, Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking welcome. Um, I, I sorry, I'm laughing too hard at my own joke. We're in hour two of this podcast, and the energy is just the charts in the worst way the more we talk about how long this episode is the longer the episode is <laughs> shit she figured it out uh yeah um the thing that i noticed upon second rewatch of this episode is right before emerald says hey i'll go we get this sound effect and i'm wondering is that the sound effect of the emerald semblance is in effect because we don't know if it's diegetic, but we do know that there is a sound effect that at least triggers the audience to go, hey, there's hinky shit afoot. So that's my question. I think that's fair. I, I mean, <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment. Stacy, what do you think? I think this entire bit with Cinder was really interesting in the fact that we see that Cinder still has ambition of her own and at least part of what she's or how she's responding to Salem is an act uh, in that the, you know, I'm nothing without you, but there's a really interesting moment before that, um, that kind of hammers home that Cinder really is in a submission, a submissive position here when Salem kind of puts her in her place. And she has this incredibly breathy, like, Yes, 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 of course. And that was such a snap reaction to me of Cinder falling back into that kind of, again, this, this cycle of abuse where that is her role 
And yes, she has ambition and she's going to turn around and take it out on her own subordinates the same way that she is treated. Um, but this mixture of an act versus what she's been conditioned to respond with was interesting to see play out. So now watching her with Emerald and Neo, her two supposed subordinates, uh, Neo with notwithstanding. <laughs> well, uh, is, go ahead, sorry. Oh, it is, is going to be real interesting. Um, mainly I'm just going to spiral back up to the the love loft because <laughs> okay. uh, Neo, Neo and Emerald locked eyes a couple of times, right? Right? Yeah. And, that, and that thing, I'm there. Oh, I thought you were going somewhere else. I thought we were going threesome. <laughs> little no. Dom play, little, you know. Cinder needs to turn her act around before, before she gets to be in any of these shifts. Yeah, Cinder's not invited right now. Um, Have you seen fandom? No! People love this <laughs> shit. <laughs> Y'all have fun. I'm just love loft. No, it's not. (laughs) I'm sorry. We deviated into Ironwood Watts last week. None of this is wholesome. This entire podcast isn't wholesome. This mansion is fucking cursed. Shit's haunted. And yet here we are having a very good time. Who are we haunted by? Name our ghost. Uh, Yeah. I especially appreciate what, what you pointed out, Stacey, what we have for Cinder falling back into that cycle of abuse and treating her subordinates the way that she herself is treated, especially in light of that tiny little flashback we got at the very beginning of this season. Because remember, that's what starts this season. Not the opening theme, not anything else, but a flashback of Cinder on her hands and knees scrubbing floors. So I appreciate that we started this season with that and i think that's going to frame a lot of what we see going forward with cinder and who knows i brought up the uh fan theory and again i cannot remember who's oh it was one of the lovely people in our youtube comments that emerald would get a hold of the lamp and ask it for cinder's backstory and i'm still not convinced that that's not going to happen because if emerald can just chill in a room and people won't know she's there What's to stop her from getting information that other people don't know they're giving away? So yeah, I'm uh, I'm here for all of this. I'm in. I'm in. What I find interesting about Cinder's point that she's trying to make to Salem is that she's right. The kids are trying to make their way to Amity Tower. They haven't abandoned their plans to try to save the world. So the fact that Salem is really dismissing it, uh, mainly because she hasn't really let Cinder in on her actual plan um, or or deems Team Ruby to just like not be relevant or even that um, worldwide knowledge of her presence isn't really a bad thing for her. Like it, it, it makes me wonder, OK, what is Salem's actual strategy here? Um, what? What is the long game here? It makes me go that. And so so Cinder's eagerness to jump to Amity Arena and try to and try to do this solo mission, <laughs> basically. I'm wondering how that's going to mess up Salem's plan or Salem's strategy in the same way that her personal vendetta back in volume 
I think that was volume five. Yes, volume five, ambushing Team Ruby cost them the lamp in the first place. So it it's it'll be interesting to see what Salem's sort of endgame is at this point. But that being said, oh, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, just in terms of relative strategies here, comparatively, Cinder is playing a very solid game of checkers, and Salem is out here with her four-dimensional chessboard going, what are you doing? <laughs> I Yep. If the opening is to be taken, uh, that is 100% correct. <laughs> um, I didn't even think about that, but I will take it. Um, but uh, that being said... I really, I, I really do think this is the the volume where we're finally going to get Cinder's backstory, um, and yeah, I think eventually, what this trip is ultimately going like, regardless of what happens as they make their way over to Amity, this is the trip that's going to show Emerald finally that Cinder doesn't actually care about her; she only cares about power for power's sake. And yeah, I'm I'm with you, Stacy. I'm I'm running back up to the love loft. I am uh, hoping that when Emerald does make this discovery, when she comes to this realization, regardless of how they get to it, regardless of whether or not Jin has anything to do with that, or if it's just Cinder's own actions, I hope that they go off together to be partners in crime and also just regular partners. <laughs> That's what I need to see, <laughs> because they would make a great couple. <laughs> <laughs> um sorry it's late did we get everybody for that final point i believe so yes okay the, the only thing I that so. th- that i wanted to say is adding to cinder's cruelty those boots for any cosplayer are just gonna be a nightmare <laughs> i don't think you understand how many people i know who pull off those boots casually okay so what i'm saying is <laughs> not not wearing them because people will, will look them and wear great but like like usually ruby is so like consi- the ruby as a show is so considerate with its costuming and then cinder wears thigh high lace-up boots <laughs> that's that's cruelty i mean i feel like it's fabulous and she should absolutely work it but yeah that's that's rough <laughs> like i said i know people who wear that sort of thing on the regular that's it's not the sort of thing you necessarily have to build yourself they can be found in stores which is relief for a cosplayer who's gonna have to build the capelet the peacock accents the potentially the prosthetic depending on how hardcore you're gonna go like just being able to buy boots and maybe paint some accents is like thank you for not making me build shoes now i want to see cinder goodwill hopping for a nice pair of boots (laughs) <laughs> i wear your granddad's clothes i look incredible can you can you imagine how much of a karen cinder is looking for <laughs> specific pieces of like those poor store what poor do you mean store you don't have it stock. i want to speak to your manager dude no she's, employee deserves that no not, not at all <laughs> she's just an absolute terror <laughs> that's why she steals that's why she steals things so that she doesn't have to deal with employees. 
And honestly, so the employees she... just let her so they don't have to deal with her. They're like, <laughs> as long as we can bypass the customer service experience entirely. It's fine. It's, Everything's fine. It's, and Emerald's out here like, see? <laughs> I it's didn't best see for anything. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think on that note, um, it, I think it's time for us to wrap it up for the evening. Do we have any final thoughts on this week's episode? Mark, let's start with you. Eddie Rivas is a beautiful human being that makes amazing art. This was difficult. <laughs> thank you. But thank, uh, like we say it every episode, thank you to everybody on Kruby for your effort and creating such a variety of works that we can talk about for two and a half hours and completely reassess as we move on from one thing to another um your your work is phenomenal and we appreciate every single one of you let's go ahead and wrap it on up mark where can people go if they want to keep up with you you can find me on twitch twitter instagram at mark bedonica on twitch i've been streaming all of miles morales go check out all of my streams it's a wonderful story and a wonderful experience love to have you over there um and i think we're going with star wars squadrons i have a poll up on my twitter check it out vote and see what you'd like the next big like story stream game to be but that one's winning uh there's also bug snacks or uh one piece i think i'm getting immortals phoenix rising because I've got those trading credits, so maybe that is going to jump to the front, because that looks awesome. Um, also, my wife and I do a podcast called Party of Two. If you're a theme park fan, make sure to tune in. Um, this past week, we talked about uh, Epcot's updated plan for the future, and next week we're going to be talking about Universal's Christmas offerings. Universal Orlando, we, we had a chance to visit recently, and we compare it to our time that we spent in Walt Disney World, which we reviewed a couple weeks ago. Uh, these are the last couple of episodes of our season, so make sure to check us out uh, as we stream the show live on Twitch Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, that's twitch.tv slash markbedonica, and uh, thanks again to the crewby and, and everybody who listens to the show we appreciate you so much stacy i'm stacy shuttleworth you can find me all across the web at stacy shuttles most of the time you can just find me up in the love loft it's getting cold outside <laughs> i'm getting my hot toddy my blanket and i am going to settle in for some good shipping katie I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxet. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like watching reaction videos to Rooster Teeth content, to these episodes, to other content, you can find those on that YouTube channel. I am also on an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast called On the Point, where my co-host and I talk about Overwatch and Overwatch League. Uh, it's the off-season right now, so we're on hiatus, but we may or may not do a special episode or two, so keep an eye out for that. And I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where me and Katie talk about horror things. And I have a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Link loves Lost, and I don't, and we talk about it. Thank you all so, so much again for listening. This has been Ruby Redux, and now it's time to say goodbye. <laughs>